0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music, and this is Tosh, and I'm Kim and each episode, we focus on one book, one title, that focuses on music. It can be a book on music history, it could be a memoir or biography, it can even be a book, a fictional character in a fictional book that happens to be a composer or musician. That's how... Wide our range is, and we do every aspect of music history, from country and western to rock and roll, from New York to Los Angeles, from Beijing to Tokyo, <laughs> all around the world. Welcome to Book Music. And tonight, well, first of all, it's not night; it's daylight still. But like tonight's dramatic. Tonight we are doing, we're going to talk about a book called I Am Your Fan, The Songs of Leonard Cohen by Ray Padgett, published by 33 and the Third Books. And this book is focusing on, uh, first of all, 33 and the Third usually focus on one artist and their album, one of their albums. But this is actually a different type of 33 and the Third book. This is about an album that happens to be a compilation of different artists doing the music of Leonard Cohen. But, there's a but to this, right, Kimley? <laughs> well That always makes things interesting. It's actually the issue. The book is really about the compilation album or the tribute albums or artists who cover other artists. And um, it's an interesting subject matter to me. And is it interesting to you, Kimley?
1: Oh, it's very interesting to me. I love cover songs. Um, It's one of my favorite things is when I hear an artist uh, cover a song, especially if they, you know, do something interesting with it, uh, you know, something where they really kind of change it up and make it their own. Um, uh, I've been listening a lot to Robert Wyatt. I've been on a Robert Wyatt kick, and I absolutely love his cover of I'm a Believer, the monkey song. You would never expect Robert Wyatt to cover a monkey song, you know, I always think of him as being somewhat serious. Uh-huh. You know, there's a playfulness to his music, but he always seems very serious. He often sings about political things. And he certainly never does sort of, uh, you know, frothy, poppy, catchy, I love you baby songs. <laughs> you know, I love stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I always love to hear cover songs.
0: But what comes to mind is for his version of I'm a Believer by the Monkees, is it maybe a political song? Ah, ah. I'm a wow. believer.
1: Yes, yes, I'm sure he's got a little political spin on it. That, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, the you know, the,
0: current, you know the, the, the context is everything. Yes. And sometimes when you do a cover of some song, the context is is important. Exactly. exactly. That, first I want to talk about this this our author, Ray Paget. Uh he has a website called Cover Me, and he is totally focused on the subject matter of tribute albums and artists who cover other artists, meaning yeah. an artist He's a bit with-
1: OCD like us. Us <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: mean you, not me.
1: <laughs> You're not OCD,
0: <laughs> Mister not. Who,
1: Mister, who, the guy who has every single billion of his albums cataloged on Discogs.
0: <laughs> You're it, not OCD. It just makes it easier in case we're
1: <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> Whatever.
0: I do that for logical reasons, not for illogical. Um, you know.
1: No, no mental health issues, issues no, no, Absolutely. No. <laughs>
0: all right, carry on, carry on. <laughs> so, um, when you first told me about this book, you actually brought this book up to me about uh, doing this book. And, yeah, I remember. I remember. And tell you the truth, I, I was not into it because I thought, why would I be interested? Yeah. First of all, I admire uh, Leonard Cohen. Uh huh. I even like Leonard Cohen, mm-hmm. but I don't.
1: <laughs> Leonard that, Cohen's come up before. We know what
0: you think. <laughs> but I don't love Leonard Cohen's work. Right,
1: right. But
0: If you came up to me and said, Tosh, Leonard Cohen is a genius, I would not, I honestly would not object to that or fight against that. It's right. more of a taste issue or just more, I have not been fully exposed to the, the world of Leonard Cohen as, you know. We're well,
1: not really into the sort of these, uh, singer songwriter types, you know,
0: uh, you know, like Dick Drake, you know, you know. I admire, really okay, like, again, they, I admire, I see Yeah, it. you respect see what they
1: do, but it's I not great, something you
0: I, put on. Yeah. yeah, I greatly respect what they do.
1: Right.
0: I think it's a better world that Leonard Cohen was on this planet and he wrote music. I think <laughs> okay. it contribute, uh, he contributed, he contributed a lot, in fact. And I do like his image. I like the image of a well-dressed man.
1: Yes. He looked good. Sort of a ladies,
0: corner. a ladies' man. Yeah. Who writes songs in a very adult manner?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't write teenage pop songs. He writes songs yeah. for his age bracket at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he was in his thirties when his first yeah album came
0: out. So. And he reminds me of somebody who I adore. Ah. You know who this is? Serge
1: Gainsbourg. Yes. <laughs>
0: I yeah. think there's a strong connection. Well, Serge Gainsbourg has a sort of bigger canvas than Leonard Cohen. Uh-huh. So like, but like Leonard Cohen, he's, you know, I'm considering him a, a great lyricist, mm-hmm. a great poet. Um, mm-hmm. He did write a, you know, he did write a, a novella. Um, mm-hmm. And he is also a, a quote unquote, ladies man, however you <laughs> really want to define that in the 60s, 70s, and now right, that's right. You know, up in the air. And like Leonard Cohen, there have been tribute albums focusing on Serge Gainsbourg's music mm-hmm. in the past, and um, which is interesting. You know, that's I find that interesting. There's a very interesting book the uh, I am your fan: the songs of Leonard Cohen. One because Patrick covers uh, not only this album in great detail, and he's actually done interviews with various people. He did like a lot of research. You know, it's not just him reading other books and then you know applying that, but he actually did research and interviewed these artists.
1: Yeah, he interviewed quite a few people for the book. He
0: did. What's really interesting for me is the fact that he talks about why there's compilation albums or why there's, like, tribute albums. You know, he, he sort of breaks it down to, like, people who are fans of the music or fans of an artist. And Leonard Cohen has lots of music fans. Yeah,
1: obviously.
0: You know, obviously. And then, and then there's there's also compilation or tribute albums they're really just made for commercial reasons. And he makes a sort of division between, like, sort of like the Leonard Cohen tributes or the Hal Wilner, which we'll, I want to talk about a little bit later. Hal Wilner's production producer uh, of, of compilation or tribute albums, uh, compared to some other people might just do, like, an Eagles Country album or.
1: Right. <laughs> That's like a nightmare for you and me. <laughs>
0: It's pretty bad. I mean, I haven't heard it.
1: (laughs) I haven't heard it, but
0: uh... (laughs) enough said. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, And he and and Paget makes a big, not like an aesthetic distinction, but he talks about why these records are made. You know, which I never really thought about that much. You know, because apparently, for the producer of the records or the people who put this record together, you know, put these artists together. I mean, a lot of work, right? Because they have to contact the artists, clear like music rights. You know. Right. And I guess if they want to be respectful organize to, all the
1: recording sessions and yeah. yeah.
0: And if you want to be respectful to the artists, you 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 know, you let people like Leonard Cohen know this is my project, this is what I'm doing, you know. Right. Hope they get their blessing. Um, yeah. which in most cases, you know, I don't think that happens. But um for the I'm your fan, the songs of Leonard Cohen uh, album project, uh Leonard Cohen seemed to be very much um uh, beyond uh, behind this. He Yeah. He gave he gave his approval, though he did not um put himself in the music making or to choose the artist, or he didn't, he didn't do any of that story. Just sort of gave permission and you sort of go with it.
1: Yeah. Which is probably the best case scenario. I know he does talk about how there are some tribute albums where the person that's uh, uh, the focus of the tribute is involved. Yeah. Um, I think he said like Peter Gabriel organized a tribute album to himself and um, I haven't heard it, but that just seems kind of odd, you know. It, seems it is surprising. odd. It's-
0: Yeah, it strikes me as odd as well.
1: Because you kind of wonder, like, well, are people doing it because they're actually fans or they just see this as an opportunity to, you know, get some exposure? Mm -hmm. And he actually talks about that even in general, you know, uh, because he gets into, like, why do people do tribute albums? Because there are some artists who seem to do a lot of them, and he has a whole chapter on uh, Juliana Hatfield, which was pretty interesting.
0: She's uh, she's 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 very interesting. Probably probably the most one of the... Definitely one of the most interesting interviews in the book.
1: Yeah, yeah, because she's uh, very unexpected on a lot of things. You know, uh, he asks her, you know, why does she do all of them and expecting her to say that, you know, she's just so enamored with the people that she's covering. And she's like, most of them I don't like. I don't even like them. Yeah. <laughs> she has a, you know, a variety of other reasons There's somebody she wants, a producer she wants to work with or, you know, something like that. Um, so that was pretty interesting. But then she also has a, a series of albums of her own where she uh, just focuses on a certain artist. Uh, in the last couple of years, she put out a Olivia
0: Newton right? John. Yeah.
1: yeah, I Olivia actually like Juliana. Yeah, I actually like Juliana I
0: don't know her music at all.
1: Oh, I, I like her. She's good. Um, but
0: I admire her professionalism and her spirit in the sense yeah. that you're going to hire me to do a song. I'm going to do this song.
1: But she has a good attitude about it, even yeah. if it's not something she uh, has any affinity for. She says, well, I'm going to look at it and try to make it into something that I think is good. You know, yeah. it's not like she's just phoning it in.
0: No, no, uh, she's not phoning it at all. She, she really yeah. you know, she makes every effort to understand and appreciate the song and more important to perform that song the best in her ability.
1: Exactly,
0: exactly um yeah she was interesting I, I didn't i wasn't really expecting that in this book i wasn't expecting an artist like that
1: yeah, yeah i just right
0: away just thought okay i'm a big fan of so-and-so and of course i would love to contribute a song you know yeah um,
1: that's what you would think
0: most of these producers who do these compilation albums are pretty much like almost 100 percent in control of their pro- project. Mm-hmm. In other words, they say you're the artist, I want you and I want you to do this specific song most cases. Mm-hmm. If they give them a choice, that means everybody wants to do the hit song or you know the obvious song.
1: Right.
0: You know, and uh I think even there's a Leonard Cohen um I'm your fan. Does it have covers of the same song? I think
1: there was one, right? Yeah, Didn't one, you, yeah. A few people did Tower of Song, right? Yeah. Um, I can't recall.
0: Yeah, which by the way, um, Nick Cave the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds version of that
1: yeah that's actually one of my favorite covers on that album because it
0: it, it goes crazy i mean it's it's
1: insane it's (laughs) so insane yeah and he gets into the story about how that happened which was pretty interesting how they just kind of Stat, they sat in the studio for several hours. Uh, I think maybe they had a little bit too much to drink, and they just kind of called yeah. out different styles of how to perform the song. And then uh, after they had, you know, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 different styles of how they perform the song, they just kind of clipped it all together, little bits here and there. Uh-huh. And um, it's definitely a wild trip, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I like it.
0: And this is when um, when Nick Cave was working with uh, Mick Carvey. It was a very important aspect of the Bad Seeds and yeah. the birthday, uh, birthday Party. Is that Nick Cave's first fan?
1: Um,
0: birthday Party? Uh, I'm going to get shot by Nick Cave fans now.
1: <laughs> I, for some reason, I want to say it's something else, but I, I could be wrong.
0: So anyway, but Harvey also, and it's not mentioned in the book, but Harvey did five albums, at least, of doing Serge Gainsborough music.
1: Right, right. With yeah, I know English he
0: lyrics. He yeah. translated the lyrics into English. And that was not mentioned in the book. I was kind of surprised for some reason that 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 wasn't touched on.
1: Yeah, there's so many uh, albums. It's interesting to look at Paget's website. Uh, it's covermesongs.com for anybody that's interested. But he's got, I mean, he's had the site for quite a while. I think over 10 years or longer. And uh, he's got like all these lists of songs and, and tribute albums. And he's got a list of like, uh, the 50 best tribute albums and you know he said even doing that was difficult for him so I mean it's kind of I, I was skimming over the website today and it's it's kind of astounding there's like a tribute album for everybody everybody people I've never heard of have tribute albums. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's kind of amazing that you know I mean there was obviously no way he could discuss everything in the book
0: um, yeah because actually, I have some favorite compilation albums that are not listed at all in his book.
1: Yeah, so do I. So. And
0: I'm not sure. You know, I haven't. I didn't have. I haven't had a chance to really go over the uh, his website. Uh, not thoroughly, but you know, um, the start of the compilation album movement, or you know, or artists doing other artist songs, for me, was Hal Wilner.
1: Yeah, that was the first one that I remember ever buying was that Kurt Vile one. You probably
0: bought the Nina Rota one. Yeah, I know. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love yeah. Nina Rota. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the people I recognize, well, there was like jazz people on there or, or on the fringes of jazz and No Wave, you know. And then there's Debbie Harry and Christina Blondie uh, participated in that record. And I, I remember buying it i thinking, I didn't hear it before I bought it, but like, you know, it's Nina Rota, how can it be bad? Right. And Debbie Harry's on it, so that should be interesting, you know. And it was, it was right. more like a jazz record, more than like a pop record and i really liked it a lot i thought it was really interesting because the um the interpretation of the songs were totally um artist driven I mean, it's not like they're falling a score i mean you know it's it's based on rhoda's music but it's like chris stein's debbie harry whoever the other artists are i can't remember yeah
1: it's their interpretation They're uh, making it their own
0: yeah so i was like so that is like the first album i Purchase and also Hal Wilner done tribute albums to um, Nina Rota, as we mentioned, uh, Thelonious Monk, uh, Walt Disney music.
1: Yeah, I think that was probably the second one I bought. (laughs) I remember that Walt Disney one.
0: Yeah, and then um, the Crigbile collection, which I think is really good.
1: And he also did a Leonard Cohen tribute.
0: Hal Wilner did.
1: Yeah, well, Hal Wilner also did a lot of tribute concerts, and the ones that were more popular got made into records, and the Leonard Cohen concert got made into a record.
0: And he recently did the uh, tribute to T-Rex Mark Bowen that just came out. He passed away, unfortunately, from COVID-19.
1: Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, this book has a whole chapter on Hal Wilner, and he's talking about him in the present tense, and I was like, oh, my, this book went to press before Hal Mm -hmm. passed away. But then I guess they must have been able to, at the end of the chapter, they have a little comment about his passing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was really sad.
0: Um, well, one of the things interesting about, about Hal Wilner's projects, they're not commercial orientated.
1: Yeah. Well, he jokes that, you know, he interviewed Hal Wilner. Well, the first joke is Hal is like, am I responsible for this? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because this is, you know, a genre that does tend to get derided.
0: Well, you know, in, okay, Hal Wilner is interesting to me because he focuses on musicians and composers who are incredible, but totally like non-commercial. I mean, you know, it's not like it's not him doing like the Beatles songbook or the Rolling Stones songbook or even Cole Porter, you know, or it, it's basically sort of the more out there musical figures. Yeah, and doing like Walt Disney music is very interesting. You know, having Tom Waits do like the, Seven doors. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, That's great. Yeah. I
0: remember that. That You know, and I I can't imagine this being an easy sell to a record label, like going to a big record label and going, yeah, I want to do a tribute to um, these really, (laughs) these really obscure, even the artists are obscure at the time, you know? So it's not like, it's not like big stars doing Disney music. It's sort of like culty indie alt rock, alt people, doing the music
1: yeah well Hal joked about how you know I if I only knew that I should get bigger stars to cover these songs
0: <laughs> yeah and I did hear the Mark Bowen tribute album uh on uh, Apple Music and I was yeah,
1: disappointing yeah I haven't worked my way I've listened to about three quarters of it it's, it's a bit of a tough listen yeah yeah it's so it's, you know
0: and I'm not sure it's not Mark Bowen who I love I think he's. I think there's watching.
1: a lot of good artists on it
0: yeah, and I love Mark Bowen. So it's not it's not like I don't like you know, I love T Rex, love Mark Bowen. But I think the thing the problem with that particular album is that all the artists were very true as much as possible to the arrangements, the original arrangements or they were not venturesome enough they didn't yeah. do what Nick, what Nick Cave did on the Leonard Cohen song
1: right I think that's the issue for me as well I think and
0: the other Hal mm-hmm. Wilner records that I I know of have, have been very venturesome uh, listening experience yeah
1: yeah exactly you know remember.
0: and it's you know it's and another person who he just mentions briefly and nothing to do with his own work is um John Zorn uh who I love and that's another like that's my second discovery of uh Tribute albums when he, when Zorn did a tribute album to uh, Eno Morricone, uh, which is incredible. It introduced me to Morricone's music, and as any any listener of the show knows, I'm a huge oh, is Morricone that how you got into
1: Morricone? Yeah,
0: because of the John Zorn compilation.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. I thought you just got into it through the movies, huh, not wow. at
0: all, not at all. Oh, okay, early, early John Zorn. John Zorn was my introduction to his music. And I love that album so much. You know, his collection of Morricone pieces by, you know, Zorn's associates who are all sort of jazz players or avant-garde players. Some of them fringe on the rock world, you know, but mostly they're they're strong jazz instrumentalists. So that was very exciting. And also, oddly enough, he did a tribute to Mark Boland, T-Rex as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's actually a pretty interesting album. Much more interesting, unfortunately, than the Hal Wilner uh, mm. record of T-Rex stuff. And then he also did one on Serge Gainsbourg, which was good. And also did one on Burt Backrock. Interesting. And it's done in a sort of Zorn jazz. Some are very true to... Backrack or Gainsbourg's spirit, you know. I mean, all of this right. true to the spirit, but they, you know, they, they definitely play with the music and play with the, the image of that band, you know, the artists and stuff.
1: Oh yeah, I'd like to hear those. You yeah. know, unfortunately, Zorn uh, doesn't put his record label stuff up on any of the
0: streams. No, or... he owns his own music and his own. Yeah, business. yeah, you got to, you got to buy it. Got to buy <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> Can't say I blame him.
0: No, no, he's, no, he's he's a one man music industry and quite remarkable. Yeah, what he yeah. Does. Yeah. But, you know, this is also interesting about the Leonard Cohen. You know, I actually listened to, because uh, of your insistence, your your help, I listened to I'm Your Fan, the songs of Leonard Cohen. Uh-huh. Not the complete album, I believe, but, you know, the, the key yeah, song. Yeah,
1: this is also not available to stream. It was interesting. He talked about older uh, tribute albums uh, not being streamable because of various rights issues, because when they were recorded, they didn't have anything in the contracts about streaming, because streaming didn't exist then. Yeah. And, um it's like such a hassle for them to go and get the rights for every single one of these artists that a lot of them, they didn't bother. So if you want to listen to this, you either have to buy it or you can find, I was able to find about three quarters of the songs on YouTube.
0: And I played it, you know, I, and tell you I was expecting not to like it. Yeah. Because one of my most beloved hated bands, R.E.M. is on it.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So. And, they did the, and they did the song, I'll Take Manhattan, which I think is really I, good. I sense,
1: I sense a butt coming here. <laughs> Another butt.
0: <laughs> There's a butt. I like it. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's good. Okay.
0: I like their take on it. I like the recording of it. And I find that album actually very um, surprisingly um, satisfying, what I've heard. I, oh, I, well, I liked good. it. You know, in a way, all the artists were true to Leonard Cohen. They added, you know, the artists added their own touches, which yeah. I thought was really good.
1: Right, that's the best case scenario.
0: Pixies covering Leonard Cohen sounds like the Pixies, you know, yeah. <laughs> the Leonard Cohen. And the other thing is that, like, when you make tributes to certain people, Leonard Cohen's voice and melodies are so distinctive and unique. You know, it's like his, it, you know, his melodies are distinctive. It's like totally like Leonard Cohen. And when I hear an artist cover Leonard Cohen, even when they do something rearranged and stuff, I still hear the presence of Leonard Cohen in these songs. And that's, you know, that's my personal take on, on, on the album itself, uh, which I think is good. I think a, it's a, that is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Well, apparently, it's one of the more respected tribute albums.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, it's important for the singer or artist to really get into the song as much as possible. A lot of these artists actually make it their song. You know, that's, you know, that's right. a good cover is when an artist makes it their song.
1: Yeah, I think when he was interviewing Mick Harvey that he actually talked about that. He said, you know, you have to go in there and pretend like it's your song. You have yeah. to make it your own. Uh, that That's really essential. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think it was interesting, too. He, you know, he's talking about the development of these albums, and he sort of uh, says, well, you know, you could almost say that some of the first tribute albums came out, you know, in the early 50s with, uh, like, Ella Fitzgerald's, you know, covering Gershwin and Cole Porter. And um, But he said, but they're not really tributes. And I think it it is kind of interesting because we don't tend to think of, you know, people like that doing covers. We don't consider what she's doing a cover or what Sinatra does as a cover. You know, we think of it more as an interpretation, I guess. I don't know. It's really their song almost. You know, it's um,
0: very interesting. um, It's a
1: very interesting distinction because I guess... Well, for one thing, you know there isn't sort of like a quintessential version of a Cole Porter or a no. Gershwin song, so no. I mean, you know, there's so many people that do it.
0: It's it's not a cover. I mean, and technically it's a cover album, like Sinatra did covers, technically. Yeah. Yet it's not looked as that. You know, any of those singers. You know, all, all you know, Mel Torme to Sinatra to um, <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald, Peggy Lee. You know, onward and onward, but. I think a cover song for me is another songwriter covering another songwriter.
1: Well, I think, you know, it's it's you're covering a song that the songwriter recorded themselves, you know, yes. rather than like the Cole Porters, you know.
0: Like Elvis Costello doing a cover of a, another song. It, it's not just him as a singer. It's it's really Elvis Costello, the songwriter, mm-hmm. covering that artist.
1: Right, right. You know, yes. it's not, it's not, it's not all- a it's, it's yeah. not a
0: Sinatra thing. It's not a, you know. Right, it's a, right. Sinatra doesn't write songs. He's
1: no. just a, he's so, an
0: interpreter. Yeah, so therefore, they yeah. don't do covers. They actually, not only interpret the songs, they become the songs.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it was an interesting distinction as he was discussing the development of these kinds of albums.
0: Sinatra's approach to music is a little bit different, say, that somebody like, say, Bruce Springsteen or Elvis Costello do somebody else's music. And I think because they are songwriters, and I think they look at that song as another songwriter. Like if Nick Cave looks at that song or Mick Harvey, they know they have to be part of that song. But I think their their approach is basically as songwriters first, mm-hmm. then performers, then doing that, that artist song. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah definitely. I was going to say, I think, you know, a big part of what this made this book interesting for me was that he he decided to write about this particular tribute album in large part because it had such a huge effect on Leonard Cohen's career. His career mm. was kind of in the dumps at that point. His records weren't even being released in the U.S. Um, and when that album came out, it brought a whole new audience to his music, sort of like the way you found your Moriconi. It's very um, interesting,
0: the story about John Cale doing... Um, yeah. Uh, what song? I'm sorry. The, um... ha-
1: Hallelujah. Yeah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, uh, which is very different from Leonard Cohen's
0: version. And on top of that, uh, there's a famous uh, recording of it by uh, Jeff Buckley.
1: Yeah, and that's how I first heard the song, is I'm a huge Jeff Buckley fan. And right. That's how I first heard it. And I knew the story that he had gotten his from John Cale, but I didn't realize till I read this book that Buckley had never even heard the Leonard Cohen version.
0: Yes. You um, only heard the John Cale version.
1: Yeah, which is um, pretty amazing.
0: From that album, from I'm Your Fan yeah. that's more Cohen.
1: I mean, I love uh, I love both. I love the John Cale and the Jeff Buckley version.
0: But like how Zorn introduced me to Morricone. This compilation album, I'm your fan, introduced uh, Jeff Buckley to this particular song. They made you know, right. John Cale
1: which ended up becoming cohen's most covered song i mean now you hear that i hear that song on on tv shows and movies all the time yeah. i mean it gets covered so much it's almost like too much you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean it was a huge boost to his career uh just when he needed it too you know it's his albums weren't uh, being released. His manager was ripping him off. Uh,
0: yeah, he
1: needed that jolt. <laughs> yeah,
0: she, she took so, millions. She she took uh, millions of dollars. Story. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a nightmare story.
0: And Padgett also mentions like compilation tribute records produced by like publications um, like Mojo. Well, this Manu. well
1: this one was which was interesting. It was and it was done by a French publication. Yeah. Um, les Angres coupables. Yeah. <laughs> i speak a little bit of french but even that's pretty tough to pronounce but uh yeah it was put out by a french magazine which is kind of amazing
0: and, and sort of like the at the time of the magazine they still exist but they were sort of the first sort of uh, hardcore music magazine in the line of like rolling stone in the 60s and uh yeah.
1: no they weren't they didn't start until the 80s it's kind of amazing that there yeah. wasn't a major french music magazine until.
0: so that. the publishers put together the this this uh, compilation yeah. And they, you know, they, yeah. they they contacted Leonard Cohen, who they're very Leonard Cohen friendly in their magazine. They interviewed him. Right.
1: Then. Well, they talked about how they realized when they were doing interviews that Leonard Cohen would frequently come up as, you know, an influence.
0: Yeah. Yes. According to the pageant book, that they, they would hang out at uh, Leonard Cohen's hotel in Paris.
1: Right. right. <laughs> he
0: comes out of his hotel room to the lobby. Uh,
1: looking dapper as ever, I'm sure.
0: Oh, always. Yes. They're like... Um, Mojo magazine, which I get on a monthly basis, has a CD, every issue. And sometimes it is a tribute. Like sometimes they get artists to cover a particular artist or an album, and they do a pretty good job. So there's different type of compilations, obviously. There are those like doing a selected songs of a particular artist. There's some that are just focusing on a certain album by that artist uh there's one there's sometimes a, like a, a some type of outside theme that you know people contribute songs to in the uh in the 90s there were a series of compilation albums to raise funds for for uh yeah he talks
1: about that a lot in the book yeah i mean i think those are still being done but uh um, yeah. he does talk about how that was a new twist to it and uh it's funny, he uh, has a little bit of a cynical aside on that. He says, you know, he said, obviously, there's the, the main point of doing it is, you know, this sort of good deed factor. But then he said it also made it easier for the producers to get bigger artists without paying them a lot of money. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the, big, the, pay, the, the payoff in the long run. Type
1: of yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there
0: are artists like, uh, which he didn't talk about in the book, but there's people like Brian Ferry, who's done album covers. Right. David Bowie did pinups, Ups, which is a focus on uh, 1960s British, you know, rock music. Um, even John Lennon did a cover album of, of uh, old rock and roll songs from the 50s. So there's always been a fascination of other artists doing somebody else's music. And again, we I mean, like songwriter.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, everybody has their influences. I mean, that's part of also what's just fun about hearing somebody do a cover is then you're kind of like, okay, so I know who this is obviously somebody they're influenced by. You know, we like to sort of know those origin stories and, you know, what what turns them on musically and, you know, what made them start uh, writing songs themselves. So it's interesting to see the people. Uh, that some people cover. I mean, I was surprised when he was talking about that Grateful Dead uh, tribute album and he said Elvis Costello was on it. And I'm thinking, Elvis Costello, the, the guy who is known for his, you know, two to three minute, you know, speedy yes. pop songs <laughs> doing a Grateful Dead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I love
1: stuff like that it made me curious to hear what he did, even though I'm not a Grateful Dead fan at all.
0: <laughs> no, but, you know, it's interesting, like Elvis Costello, uh, uh, Nick Cave, I'm trying to think of who else. There, there's certain artists that always shows up for these compilation albums.
1: The yeah, yeah,
0: Mates, I think does you know uh-huh. with Hal Wilner. Uh, the Hal Wilner, the Hal Wilner projects, I think is a lot is just to do to Hal Wilner. friends, and, yeah. Friends they now and his approach and his, um, his approach to doing you know these 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 works. And again, Hal Wilner selects the song or the artist to do a, a specific song. He doesn't, like, give him like, like, you know, oh, okay, yeah, can you come and do, you know, any song by, you know, blah, blah, you know, take your pick of the Nina Rota song. It's basically, he has already in his mind which artist should do a specific yeah. song. Yeah. Did you
1: read the interview I sent you with Hal Wilner that Padgett did? He posted it on the 33 and a 3rd blog? Because they talk about that. He asked him, you know, he said, do you ever get in a situation where somebody, you know, really wants to do a certain song and you get more than one person wanting to do a song and he said rarely but he said uh, on the uh, mark bolan one they had uh, two people doing uh, i can't remember which song but they do have a, a one uh, duplicate because <laughs> he couldn't get the other one of them to change their mind
0: <laughs> They ain't gonna do it not gonna change my mind uh,
1: you not know sure. i think uh, if it was me i would actually want to do a deep cut you know like john Cale did with hallelujah yeah.
0: um
1: you know everybody wants to do the hits it's kind of more fun to turn people on to something else i mean i think a big point of tribute albums is often it's you know up-and-coming bands indie bands and and they're doing you know artists who were more popular 10 20 years earlier and it's sort of like you're exposing them to the new you know the younger generation yes you know i think there were a lot of people who didn't know who leonard cohen was but they knew who rem was Yes. so that's uh, so then they learned about that. so um you know I think that's a big part of it and I think when you're choosing your songs, you want to think about that.
0: It should be like a win-win situation you know a win for the uh, the artist covering the song as well as the you know as the composer or the tribute that yeah, I
1: mean, was. he talks about that a lot mm-hmm. uh, he says, you know who, who gets the better end of this deal you know is it uh, do the young bands is it a better deal for them because they're getting exposure you know, Mm. From being on this tribute album, or is it better for the person who's about the album's about because they're yeah. getting exposure to the? I'd say it goes both ways. Yeah. You know, if it's a good tribute album, then I would say it's advantageous on both ends.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting book. I, this was, it was an enjoyable read, this book by Ray Padgett. Um, yeah. And it is very much a three, three and a third book. It's very focused on one album, of course, but of course, like like life itself you could <laughs> fo- make a focus on one thing that's about a lot of stuff
1: yeah well i think that's what happens with the best 33 and a thirds, is they, yeah. they put it in a broader context and bring in something else that makes it interesting cuz you know the ones that i dislike the the 33 and a third books that i think are the weakest are the ones where all they do is focus on the production you know
0: yes yeah i have that problem too i'm more i'm more of an ideal person than like a yeah, practical person yeah
1: yeah so you know this was nice because he gave us a little history he interviewed a lot of interesting people and,
0: and it's a brand new release it just came out yes
1: just came out i think in september um, yes
0: yeah, so it's available in your favorite local bookstore or online store and it's i'm your fan the songs of leonard cohen by ray padgett published by 33 and the Third
1: thank you so much for listening to book music um next time uh we are going to be discussing a brand new book yes a sound mind how i fell in love with classical music and decided to rewrite its entire history by paul morley
0: paul morley a
1: very well known british writer
0: He's yes been,
1: uh, writing for many many years for enemy and uh observer right um He's got several books out. He's got a Bowie book out.
0: He, sort of the, he was the brains behind Frankie Goes to Hollywood.
1: Was he? Okay. <laughs> oh, that makes it
0: interesting. He was also a, a close associate of Factory Records, uh, Tony Wilson and Joy- Right, I think he's,
1: he's from the North. Is he from Manchester? He's from
0: Manchester, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: All right, yeah. So, he's, yeah, he's that generation. I think he's in his early 60s or so. But he, uh, clearly his life uh, took a bit of a turn and he decided to... Uh, indulge in classical music and so this is about that adventure I guess and uh, yes
0: I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it
1: yeah yeah definitely a nice little turn of uh, topics for us yeah so um follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for all of our latest news. We've got playlists for every one of our episodes available on Spotify and Apple Music and you can find links to everything on our website at bookmusic.com b o o k m u s i k com. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you, everybody. We'll see you uh, very shortly or hear you very shortly. Or you will hear us. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.